Welcome to Plant Network Podcast, where we talk to horticulturists about their gardens and their careers. Welcome to the Plant Network Podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Rupert Wilson, who is Principal Data Manager for Horticultural Information and Advice at the Royal Horticultural Society. Good morning, Rupert. Good morning, Rebecca. Lovely to see you and speak to you. So, Rupert, what does Principal Data Manager, what does that entail? Yes, it's, it's, quite, it's quite a bit of a mouthful of a title, and I think it just reflects the way that the RHS do things or did things at the time that gave me my role. So I, I actually prefer to, to, to know myself as the Principal Hort Data Wrangler. So, so my, my, my job is all about data and managing data been doing it for rather a long time I've actually worked at the RHS for 21 years now and and I'm, I'm still loving it it's it's fantastic I, I you know love it as much as I did on day one what my role is is to manage a small team of seven very dedicated and lovely staff who who as a who as a team we collectively manage the RHS horticultural database that sort of underpins so much of the work the RHS does. So for example, the horticultural database holds the living collections, the plant records at all RHS gardens. So that's all five gardens. We hold the collection information about the the Wisley Herbarium. We also produce RHS Plant Finder and I'm holding up and waving the latest copy of Plant Finder here, the 2022 edition. The database holds the core uh, plant names for the Royal Horticultural Society. Plant trials have recently started using the database. We have Award of Garden Merits and Plant Breeders' Rights and over 30,000, 32,000 plant profiles on the website. So it's a vast knowledge bank of horticultural information that the Society has been carefully collecting and, and recording for quite a few years, for uh, longer than I've worked for the RHS. I'm glad you said about the plant profiles on the website because I don't know about anybody else, but I use that all the time. That is kind of a go-to. Yeah, the, the, the plant profiles are, are um, relatively recent, but we've really boosted them. In, in the, during, during lockdown, when people were working from home and not able to do their own jobs, colleagues across science were writing profiles for us. We had a major push last year, so we actually doubled the number of profiles that we've got now. And over 80% of them now have lovely images as well. What do you enjoy most about this role, Rupert, given that it's it's very data heavy? So you're, you're, you're not in the garden that often, I take it. You're looking at a screen most of the time. So you're right. I do, I do spend rather a lot of time staring at a screen or multiple screens. Um, I think that the joy of the job is the variety the, the variety of people I work with as well across the whole whole organization and, and beyond that, you know, through through Plant Network. Yeah, I, I really love working with people and helping people. And that's what I, I see my, my role is, is, is it's, to, it's to, to enable people to, to use the database to record the information that they, they have and make it available to people and, and share it with others. When I'm working at Wisley, yeah, I have to to get to get into to the to the new hilltop building, the home of gardening science. I do have to walk through the garden coming in in the mornings. It's um, the, the, the 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 curatorial staff are just starting to work, so the you know, you're dodging tractors and wheelbarrows. But 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 the rest of the garden is really peaceful. So you're seeing that garden 
in, in first light before before the public arrive, and that's wonderful. Working in IT, so many people work in little sort of cube farms and uh, <laughs> in big offices, air conditioned, and and you know in the city. And I I would hate that. I love working in the garden, even in the old laboratory as well. You know where we were previously. Yeah, you know, we're surrounded by plants, so it's 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 really good. Can you tell us how you how you got to to become a, a principal data manager? Well, it certainly wasn't a it certainly wasn't a planned route, but I, I suppose my my love of nature really you know was, was was certainly influenced by my mother right back from sort of early school. I was we were out in the garden uh, enjoying. Um, enjoying plants and, and nature so I grew up in in Suffolk and it was it was at my high school that I really decided that that botany was the direction that I wanted to go in I didn't really like the animals the dissections that we had to do it was okay but I, I was far more interested in dissecting plants and learning about plants and we had some great field courses as well um, down in in Devon after my A-levels I was lucky enough to get a place at Reading University in the School of Plant Sciences and that that was really the, the that was a fantastic opportunity I mean Reading Reading Plant Sciences at Reading is is at its time was well well renowned for for the for the teaching the education it, it was given and there are numerous Reading graduates at all sorts of places. I really enjoyed my um, my botany degree. I also enjoyed, really enjoyed um, uh, university life as well, being away from home for the first time. So possibly I could have got a slightly higher degree, but I, I, I think I, I think I learned a lot. Really enjoyed being at Reading in so much so that um, after I graduated and thought, well, what am I gonna do? Um, Fortunately, an opportunity came up to work in the herbarium at Reading, so I, I took on the took on the role there as a herbarium technician and support technician. We were working with the undergraduate classes and also the PhD students, and I was doing things like you know, mounting herbarium specimen, folding moss packets, preparing microtome knives for plant plant anatomy um, students, and so on, and, and just really enjoying the work at the School of Plant Sciences. Using my sort of IT skills, which I'd developed over years, uh, I, I, was a, I was a child of the 80s, so I had a, had a Sinclair ZX81, and, and later on I had a BBC Micro, uh, and I'd done computer studies and computer science for, for O-levels and A-levels. I had a bit of a sort of IT techie background. And the, the herbarium at Reading really didn't have a... Um, a database to, to record all the collection. At the time we were applying for and quite successfully in getting European grants to go collecting in North Africa, in, principally in Morocco, with the idea of, of creating a checklist. So there was a lot of collecting going on and we needed a system to record the herbarium collections that we were making. So, so there was, there was a win-win really because I, I got to, I got to travel in in North Africa collecting plants, which was a great experience. And then I got, came back and was able to database them, and we used the system Brahms in those days. Um, so I developed that and, and got people using it. And then with, with my sort of the the, the the fledgling, the start of the internet and the World Wide Web, I was able to hook the date the herbarium database up to the website so the school of plant sciences or the herbarium actually had a presence on the website and 
users could search for, for plants that we collected. Also, because of my sort of geeky nature, I actually hooked it up to the RHS website. So, 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 so that having found a plant, they could, they could see what the RHS knew about this plant as well. So ultimately that, that got me the job at the RHS. So in 2001, I, I jumped ships, uh, having never really thought about leaving Reading. I was quite happy there. And, and actually I still live in Reading. Jumped ships and started a job at Wisley as, as the sort of database manager. So I started in the July of 2001. And I think the first thing that my senior management gave me was it was a was a was a handout detailing the steps steps that you were used to extract the data from the database to produce the plant finder book and this was all sort of handwritten and he said well well I'm sure you can do something with that turn it into a macro or something so yes so the, so that first that first year of, of, of learning <laughs> learning all about cultivated plants and trying to produce a book with with the with the colleagues in the team it was it was quite a quite a baptism of fire but we succeeded and we have never not produced a plant finder book in all those years the exception being the pandemic of course where we did produce plant finder but it was online only the 2022 edition is the 35th edition of rhs plant finder so i'm i'm very much now in the horticultural world and and surrounded by 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 wonderful colleagues growing plants well it sounds like you've managed to again without really thinking about it but merge two of your 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 big interests so plants and and databases it that kind of world has come come together for you which is fantastic which makes it quite hard to ask this question would you have done anything differently if you could go back or you could talk to your younger self i'm not sure i, prob- I probably wouldn't but I, what I would encourage is, is, is my younger self or people that are looking to get into a, into a role of um, working with plants, but maybe maybe not directly with plants, is go out and talk to people. You know, um, partic- I mean, Plant Network is, was, was a fantastic introduction to me. We were already signed up to Plant Network before I left Reading. And it was, yeah, it was a great, great opportunity to, to meet with people in, in the field, but also other fields and, and the experience and knowledge that those people bring and willingly share with you as well. I think that's the, that's the great strength for Plant Network is that people come together and there's, there's, no, there's no hierarchy. Everyone's the same and we all love to help people find, find your network. So you, you mentioned Plant Finder, which lots of people do rely on for finding that particular plant, that particular cultivar that is really difficult to get lay your hands on. How has that changed over the years producing that? Because as you said, you were given this handwritten note when you arrived. How, how do you produce it now? How, how, how have things moved on? The process hasn't changed a lot. We start talking to the nurseries every year in the sort of late summer early autumn and we st- we start encouraging them to send send their lists the list of the plants that they're, they're offering um in in good time and inevitably they uh, they, they're, they're busy they're, the, the nurseries they're out at the the autumn shows and things it all hits a sort of crisis point at christmas which of course when a lot of people are, are off sort of celebrating christmas we're, we're in in the plant finder office we're furiously um contacting nurseries and reminding them to send their their returns in all the, all this all this information gets squished into the database and and all the weird and wonderful new names that, that nurseries invent 
get put into the database and then we, we start the sifting process with our team of botanists and horticultural taxonomists and that goes on through through Christmas and into early January we do lots of database checks and integrity checks and we produce a, a first proof that comes out of the database and this is a this is the first time that we see we see that the, the full list of plants are alphabetically arranged and inevitably there are there are glitches and things in the wrong place and and, and duplicate names or names that things that have slipped through that shouldn't really be there so we so we have a happy time proofreading that then it goes off to be typeset and we sort of wait patiently and then it comes back and we do another round of checking and hopefully everything's all perfect and it goes off to the printers and that goes off to the printers usually towards the end of february and then we don't see it until april because there's a there's also lead time for publishing things so we're all sort of anticipating when it's going to arrive and hit the shops we try we try and aim for aim for easter because uh, that's when people start start to go out and buy plants. But the process itself hasn't changed. What what has changed is is the underlying database that we store this in. And uh, with with the old with the old system that I that I arrived with BG Base, everything all, all the information was linked to a single plant name, and that that worked okay. But we we were we were all pushing it pushing at the limits of what we could do in the system. So before the pandemic even that. Actually, we, we'd started a process of uh, reviewing the current system and looking for alternative systems. And we actually decided to, to move into a new system, which was Brahms. Now, Brahms was no stranger to me because I'd used it all these all those years ago at Reading, but, but in a botanical sense, yeah, for recording um, wild collecting material um and herbarium specimens so this was new so it was fantastic to um to get back in touch with with dennis at, at, at oxford and, and carry on working with him so so whereas all the information was in previously was connected to a single name it's now collected to an entity uh and one of the characteristics of an entity is uh it can have multiple names um through a series of rules we decide we determine which is our top ranked name or trn We've done two plant finders now, so we've tested this model out. It works so much better. Have you also found that you? I mean, you're working with nurseries. You're talking to them. Has that changed over the time as well? Have you seen new people enter the market? Have you seen an exodus of of growers? How how, how has that changed? There has been a change. Some of the long-standing nurseries, some of them have have decided it's time to retire, and, and very sadly, they've they've not really had people new people coming into a horticulture to take over them and that is a that obviously is a, is a real concern for the for the whole sector but there are there are new there are new startups there are you know there are people i mean yes there are there, you know there, there is a there is a turnover of nurseries sadly we have lost some of the the you know the, the older nurseries as they've come to retire there's there's new nurseries coming along so i i i've no doubt that that yeah Plant Finder will 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 definitely continue, and we will still still have nurseries to uh, offer offering plants. When I first started, we most of our communications with nurseries was by post. Uh, now, of course, everything's done online, and they don't even have to email their returns to us. They they go on to we've developed a, a, an online app, a nursery app, so the the um, the nurseries can just go online straight away and add their returns, and we we see the information immediately. Plant find is a great is a great promotion for them. You know, the, we, yeah, the, the the number of visitors come to the RHS website and the sort of the traffic that we can 
we can send their way is, is really important. It's all done for free. We, we, we do all the legwork of checking the names and putting it into publishing it in the book. They just have to tell us what they're growing. Have you seen a, a change in the type of plants that are, are listed in Plant Finder? Has, that, has, has anything stood out or has it been pretty consistent over, over the last 20 years? So traditionally, Plant Finder has been all about sort of mainly sort of hardy ornamentals. But obviously, fashions change and uh, there's been a huge upsurge in sort of grow your own, uh, even before even before the, the pandemic. There's also been a big increase in the number of houseplants and the range of houseplants that are growing. So, so we've had to adapt. The real constraint for us is, is the size of the book. Anybody that's got a collection of plant finders on, the, on, their, sh- on their bookshelf will see that the range of size we, we had a big bloat and then it's, it's got narrower and, and a lot of that's actually down to the to the to the weight of the paper and believe it or not it's really it's really difficult to buy paper and, and it's it's probably the one thing that the, that, that we have to do very early on in the season we we have to guesstimate how many pages plant finder is going to going to run to so that so that the the publishing team at peterborough can go off and buy the paper and will the printed book continue then? Is that, that the way forward? Because so much is moving online now and you do have the online kind of version. Is the, is, yeah. is, is the yeah. future still with, with a printed version? We do do surveys. We do ask people. And the overwhelming response we get back is that people love the printed book. You know, we, we, we have stories of designers driving around the country, you know, with a copy of Plant Finder in their glove box so that they can see, well, I'm going to this area. Oh, let me see which nurseries are there. So, they, yeah, they do go and visit nurseries. And, you know, nurseries themselves love to have, have, the, have a copy on, you know, on hand in the nursery so they can check the spelling and names. Plant Finder itself has a, has a whole new life outside of its sort of prim, primary purpose which was helping people to find plants yeah plant finder has become a de facto standard for for cultivated plant names and botanic gardens and other horticultural institutions across the world use plant finder as a as that you know standard for for cultivated plant names spoke a little there about the the future of plant finder but what does the future hold for you it's been an interesting few years obviously we, we we already knew that we were going to be moving the team were going to be moving from the old laboratory up to the the new hilltop building. We also knew that we were going to be changing. Well, we, we we'd already started working with Brahms and, and changing things for Brahms. So we've we uh, the last few years a bit have have seen you know huge changes you know, in physical location, the system we use, and I, and I get a sense that the the team are. are a team of are feeling a little bit tired. I mean, we we were we were really lucky that team weren't furloughed. We were we were we were certainly working there, um, doing plant profiles, um, and compiling nursery information, and so on. I think I think the team kind of need needed maybe a, a few years of consolidation. We need to we need to um, become really really happy in our new in new environment here at uh, Hilltop, and also happy in our new database system the organization as a whole has had some big big changes over the last few years i mean we've hit 600,000 members we've we've opened the new gardens at bridgewater we've we've got you know new hilltop building here the home of gardening science at, at wisley we've got the new welcome building so i think i think the organization as a whole is probably take the foot off the gas a little bit I mean, not that we're going to be sitting around twiddling our thumbs, certainly not. But uh, yeah, I'm just hoping that we yeah, take, take things a little bit easier for a little while.
then we can start the, the, the next push, which undoubtedly is going to be more information. There's so much information in the in the background that's not available to people through our website. So it's yeah, the future is really exciting. So I just wondered whether you could yes. talk to us a little bit about gardens or plants a bit more widely. Okay. So so you're right. Yes, I, I'm, I'm not an active horticulturist. I'm not I'm not out there growing plants. I do love pottering in the garden and 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 the the garden at home we've been there since the early 2000s and we are incredibly lucky that in our area we have although it's quite narrow we have a very long garden the garden was what what sold the house to us when we saw the garden with the it had a pond it had fruit trees it had a veg patch and it had two glass houses and it was it was the two glass houses that really sold it I think and it's really become a, a sort of a sanctuary for nature it may not be the tidiest garden and we you know, we we do let the grass grow long but but the wildlife love it you know we've increased the number of ponds to two we have water butts everywhere we possibly can and then i have i have wisley i mean who, who would who could ask for a, for a more wonderful office you know right right in the middle of the garden surrounded by all these all these wonderful gardens and and wisley is wisley is always changing and, and has done throughout my time here. There's all, there's all new things to do. And um, uh, you know, the current curator, Matt Pottage, has made changes at Wisley and, and they're, they're all great improvement. Um, there are new gardens, the exotic garden. So recognizing that, that yeah, with, with, with climate change, we're now able to grow more, more exotic and, and, and tender plants outdoors all year round. And then of course, we've got the new the new gardens around the three new gardens around the hilltop the wildlife garden in in the first year was 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 fantastic all things going on at wisley and there's all change but people that's why people come to wisley to see the change so yeah i, I love it really it's great you mentioned about water butts in the garden and i know rupert that you're something of a climate champ champion i i, I wonder does that does that affect your gardening? Does that affect how you, how you work? Does that, you know, your, your, your awareness so that we need to, to reduce our, our carbon footprint, does that impact on, on, on what you do in your garden? Yes, it does. We have about nine water butts around the garden. We collect all the water we can off our roofs and, and you know, store that. And, but we water the plants carefully and we mulch. We've got, got, got a wonderful, wonderful series of um, uh, compost peeps at the bottom of the garden. I, yeah, turning turning them over and, and and just seeing what seeing the wildlife in there as well is fantastic. You're, you're quite right. I am a bit of a climate <laughs> climate activist, so you know we we have solar panels on the roof of the house, and and at this time of year, probably from April through to September, I can uh, I can drive to Wisley uh, on on free on free electrons uh, in my electric car, which I've charged up. And I'm not working at Wisley working for the RHS, I also volunteer for a local hydro project scheme on the River Thames. Again, with all, the, all that sort of low carbon reducing emissions and so on. So yeah, very passionate about that. Now I'm, I'm coming to my, my kind of final question, and I think you probably can guess what this is. And if you listen regularly to the podcasting, everybody can guess what this question is, which is a three in one. Kind of, do you have, Rupert, a favourite mm -hmm. plant? A tool, a garden tool that you can't live without and a book that you, I think we can guess what the book is going to be, <laughs> um, and a book that you that you constantly refer to and look at. So your plant, tool and book. 
please, Rupert. So, so a plants, you know, I've I've never really I've never really had developed a, a particular obsession. Maybe obsession is not quite the right way. A particular passion for a particular plant. I love all plants, some more than others, but certainly, yeah. So South African African plants, yeah, do do hold an interest, but they're not so many. Well, quite a lot of them have come into horticulture, so nymphophias and dioramas. I'm surrounded by plants all day. Yeah, you know, Plant Finder lists seventy thousand plants, and we've got over thirty-two thousand plant profiles on the website. So I'm I'm constantly being bombarded with 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 plant information. So I, you, if you probably asked me to pick a plant, it would probably be the last one I looked at. As for as for a tool, my favourite tool and 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 has to be my home garden shredder. The garden shredder is such a useful tool uh, and being electric and being able to power it by the sunshine it, it's wonderful any waste plant material in the garden can go straight through the shredder into the compost heap and it makes wonderful compost that would be my tool and as for the book yes you're right no no surprises rh's plant finder is my is my chosen book it's such a such a useful tool for people starting out in horticulture and then of course it's also you know, great for, for, for checking your spellings as well. So. Thank you very much, Rupert. And yes, I think that you're saying about Plant Finder, we found lots of benefits of Plant Finder. But for people new to, to horticulture who are really struggling with the Latin names, I think that's a, it's a really useful book to have and a really useful asset. So thank you very much, Rupert, for speaking to me today. Thank you, Rebecca. It's lovely to talk to you.